Welcome to Boating Insights. This is a podcast about achieving your boating dreams, brought to you by Above and Beyond Boating. We deliver the leading courses to skipper your own boat. Hi there, I'm Neil Driscoll, and in today's podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about your first Hobart. Now, I'm, I'm really looking at this one from a skippering perspective, uh, something that's come up organically, um, is we've, uh, we've been helping uh, boats do their first Hobart ever since I started this business, um, and um, I'm always, you know, there's always things that come out of it. We were really pleased this year, or this the most recent race, uh, we had a, quite a few boats go down and do their first entry, um, and I just want to give you some ideas of the things we've worked you know, we've come across working with skippers that you might want to think about, even if you're just doing twilights at the moment, then it probably feels quite unachievable. Uh, but, you know, in order to achieve a plan, you need to make a plan. So this is how we're, we're going to tackle it. First of all, it's, it's a realistic gap analysis of um, the crew. Um, now, depending how brutal you're going to make this, you probably want to keep it to yourself to begin with. Um, but I work on a basis of looking at dividing the, the boat up into different roles. So, you know, you've got your, um, outside of the skipper, you know, you've got your navigator, um, the, being able to manage the main, the trim, um, the foredeck, uh, and the pit. Uh, I break them up like that because to me the trim should be everything. It shouldn't just be oh they can trim the headier but they can't trim the kite, or they can do the pole but they can't do the sheet. Like either you can trim a sail or you can't, um, and that's fine if you can't. But if you want to, you know, if you want to start splitting into watch systems and racing, then that's something that you really do need to be thinking about. Um, the the helms, you know, is key. So again, looking at whether people not just whether they're capable of helming a boat. Um, you know, in a sail through the harbour or a cruise up the coast. But, um, you know, if you're thinking about running spinnakers in racing conditions at night, for example, uh, then when you're evaluating the ability of everyone on board, then you need to be looking at what they, you know, whether or not the helm can do that. So, you know, one of the errors that you can get into when you're doing a gap analysis for people is you're looking at what they can do for the sailing you're currently doing whereas what we need to be looking at is where they're at for the sailing that we you know we're talking about preparing for uh sometimes it is useful to do both so that you can get an indicator of people that uh you might be able to develop the skills in um but yeah ideally we're getting to a point where 50 percent of the crew can do 50 percent of the jobs now the point being that that way you get a bit of redundancy but also in order for a watch system to work when you're racing, there are times that you'll need everybody. But also, you ideally need to make sure that you can run a watch system if you're racing for three or four days um, and that you can allow people to get some rest so you don't have the boat having a big a big drop-off. Um, you know, because some guy, you know, the only person that's good on the main goes to bed for four hours and or three hours and all of a sudden... the you know the boat's dropped off by a knot and a half and yeah basically you're not really racing so we need to we need to figure that one out so that's looking at the team um and you know what what we've found uh with the many crews i've done this with is that also gives you a nice opportunity for you know doing it well and nicely but 
seeing if people actually want to get to that point. So, you know, we, um, we've seen in every program people that have said, look, yeah, I'm super happy doing the four deck uh, on a Saturday. Um, realistically, I'm, I don't think my body or my, you know, my mindset or my seasickness management or whatever um, is, is looking to be doing the four deck in a Sydney Hobart race. And you go, well, that's cool. We need to also now, you know, go and find ourselves someone that, you know, that's going to be a, a job that they're happy to do. So, you know, remember that doesn't mean if we've got to kind of bring in new crew that we have to get rid of old ones. It's just working out, uh, you know, which which members of the team are most appropriate for which uh, which races. Now, next thing is looking at the boat. Now, the boat's a big one. Um Probably one of the biggest mistakes I find people make at the beginning is that they start looking and they just look through the Cat 1 or Category 1 racing requirements and they're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm just going to need to... Um, and they normally come up with actually a relatively short list. Um, generally, actually, they just look at sales and they're like, oh, we'll need a mainsail and we'll you know, buy a couple of headies and a, another kite and we need three more life jackets and an extra bit in the first aid kit. Um, now that quickly you realize that that is miles from what you've got to do because to get the boat ready one these days you really need to make sure that your navigation systems are not just good but that you've got people that have got capabilities to use them there's no point going and spending a load of effort and money if you uh one if your calibration's out or two if you don't actually have anyone that can use the data you're receiving the other side though is actually you know there are some simple tick boxes you know it's on the cat one requirement like is everything um suitably stored or adequate for use which is couldn't be broader um but you know you could very easily be bashing in some quite serious conditions for a, a a fair number of hours if not days um so that hatch that leaks a little bit when we're just offshore or um you know that kind of little bit of bungee i've got holding something in or the fact we just rely on gravity to hold things in place is likely to no longer really be adequate um so you know you end up really needing to take quite a hard look at uh if the boat's ready uh and and within that is factoring in getting exposure to doing either in you know offshore overnight training exercises or races but taking a really good solid look at um you know each and everything on board how it's set up how it's stowed and 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 if it's really fit for purpose and if it's not then coming up with a plan to address that so it's not all just reactionary um or worse it doesn't even happen um now the other part that feeds in from all this you've got the gap analysis for the team and for the boat but as a skipper you need to be really quite honest with yourself um you know, there, yes, you need to go and do something like a sea survival course to be allowed to skip of the race. But, you know, you got to ask yourself, do you feel that if someone falls off, I mean, no one wants to be in these situations, but they can happen. If someone falls off your boat uh, in the middle of a Chinese jibe uh, with damage to the boat, uh, that you have taken steps to feel like you could at least take a, a shot at managing this and you know for anyone anyone at all no matter how good they are that would be an absolute nightmare and but you know are you preparing yourself and are you preparing yourself by practicing and you know pushing your crew training and seamanship challenges to being 
you know, realistic at night with spinnakers offshore? Or are you just kind of having a quick chat on the dock and saying, yep, well, that's man overboard covered? Because, you know, you, you need to realise if you're going to skipper the boat, you, you really, you've got a, you know, a legal and a moral responsibility for looking after everyone on board. Um, and so thinking about your preparation and making sure that you're, you've been very thorough with that is, is critical. Um, and then the final thing is what are you trying to achieve? Um, you know, if your plan is that you're going to make your first Hobart one that you're trying to win, well, you know, good, good luck. Um, most people for their first Hobart are, are very happy if they can just start and finish the race. Um, you know, I've, I've finished races where nearly 50% of the fleet ended up having to retire for different reasons. Um, and really if you're clear about that then it's a lot easier to achieve your objective because you know what you're trying to achieve so if it's just oh we've got to do as well as we can and yeah that's fine um but you know you've got to remember you're playing with the serious players here um you know well-funded programs highly experienced seasoned offshore racers with boats that are boats that have done a lot a lot of sailing so you know if you can feel like you're racing and you can keep everyone safe and you get down without breaking anyone or or the boat uh, then that's a very, very good starting point. Um, and I'm not saying that should be your whole objective, but that is a fine objective. And, and certainly everyone I've I've known that's gone down has made that their first one and often just the second. It's it's quite an incredible experience. So look, don't write off going to Hobart. It's a great, you know, it's a great thing. It generally is part of a two-year plan uh, if you're kind of working your way there. Um, and um, look, we're, we're really known for you know helping people tick this box so if it's something you're thinking of then make sure you reach out and have a chat Thanks.